darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now, the Hamilton Corner. Good evening. Welcome to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. I'm Abraham Hamilton III, and I'm joined by Mr. Rob Gardner, who is my partner. (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in to the program today. We are in day three, day three of turning the Hamilton Corner into a national prayer meeting on Tuesday. We started off uh, with Will and Mickey Addison from Aaron the Addisons uh, appearing on the program to help us cry out for our nation. Yesterday, we had the president of the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, on the program and lord willing we'll have another guest i'm not gonna tell you who just yet uh but just know they've agreed to come on the program uh to cry out to the lord for our nation this is in my estimation a uh, critical time in our nation's history where all things had been have been grounded to a halt and it seems like um we are Approaching, if we're not already at the backside of the hysteria concerning the coronavirus, uh, the Wuhan virus, that more and more and more, it seems that evidence is supporting. And and if you listen to this show, you're not surprised because I told you this early on uh, that this virus seems to have come from the Wuhan lab virology lab in Wuhan, China. Uh, That's there are more and more evidence to support that. But more importantly, more importantly than whatever nefarious dealings the communist Chinese government is involved in, I believe the Lord is calling once again, calling his people to cry out to him. I felt it was critically important uh, that we do not allow ourselves to have such a yearning, a hankering to return to normal that we fail to recognize there were some things that were normal for us that were not normal for God. There were things that the Lord was calling, has been for long periods of time, long periods of time, and at this moment, he's calling us as a nation to repentance. He's calling us as a nation to repentance, and it's incumbent upon us to, one, understand Uh, the primacy that he places on prayer, and two, that we will be responsive, responsive to him in this time. To that end, we will now go to the word of God, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Man, the the Bible is filled with teaching in this area, Uh, but I just wanted to present uh, this to you from the word of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 27, where we are going to read is actually, it follows, and it's recorded this way in the Gospel of Matthew, it's also recorded this way in Mark's Gospel, that the account that we are going to read today, it immediately follows uh, the recording in Scripture where the Lord fed 
over 5,000 men, over 5,000 men, when you include the women and children who are present, easily over 10,000 people, because people reproduce at a different rate than they do today during that time. Some have opined numbers larger than over 10,000, but I'll just conservatively state over 10,000 people having such an abundance of food that the disciples were able to collect 12 basketfuls of leftovers. <laughs> 12 basketfuls of net leftovers, all multiplied from five loaves and two fish, distributed at the hands of our Lord's disciples. I want to read this because when, when, I, when I first discovered this in Scripture, uh, it radically transformed my perception of the Messiah, first and foremost. Secondarily, it transformed my perception of prayer. Now, I'm going to explain to you from the word of God why that all transpires. Here we go. Let's read the text. Verses 22 to 27, Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, this is immediately following the collection of the leftovers after the feeding recorded in the, in the verses immediately preceding verse 22. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, here's what I want you to know. You guys know you follow, you listen to this program. You know, there are no superfluous details in scripture the lord includes for our edification our learning our benefit every detail that is included in his word it is included for our benefit i want you to notice something because you and i you and i know very well at this time in the first century uh they didn't operate with an electrical grid <laughs> they did life in fact the day began the new day will begin at sunset and at sun at sunset the previous day and conclude at sunset so not like us you know we know the clock turns at midnight it's a new morning but the way they operated at sunset that was the end of that existing day and the beginning of their new day their midnight if you will their 12 a.m their a.m began at sunset of the previous day and then usually when the sun set on the the, the instant day everything else stopped they didn't really do a lot of things at nighttime like we do, all right? So when Jesus is conducting this feeding of the 5,000 men, where they have 12 baskets fulls to collect, and Eddie on, on Facebook says, and people got seconds and thirds, and they have leftovers to collect. All of this is happening with sunlight. Then immediately after the people finish eating, they're concluding the meal, the Bible tells us Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat but they're getting into the boat while Jesus himself is dismissing the crowds. All of this is happening where there's still a little bit of daylight. Then, then we have 
Just in that one verse in verse 23, after he, Yeshua, had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So the Bible is telling us that there's, there's daylight while he's dismissing the crowds. He enters into the mountainside to pray, most likely as the sun is beginning to set. And he's in the mountain from where there's still daylight all the way to where there's no longer any light. Why do I know that? Because the Bible tells us that's when evening came. Jesus is in the mountain by himself when evening came. The Bible tells us in verse 23, he's there all alone. And the Bible has already told us, what did he enter the mountain to do? He entered the mountain to pray. This is somewhere about sunset. All the way through the evening, we proceed in the scripture. Then the Bible tells us this wonderful jewel for our benefit in verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, if we read by that too quickly, we will miss a treasure trove of revelation that God has put in his word for our benefit. The Lord has revealed to us in his word that our Messiah, the once and for all Passover lamb, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah that was promised to come, God in the flesh. He entered the mountainside alone to pray right about at dusk. And he remained in the mountain until about the fourth watch of the night. At this time, the days were divided into four different watches. The Bible is telling us in the fourth watch, if you're not aware, the fourth watch is somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. The Bible is telling us that our Lord entered the mountainside to pray and continued praying from about sunset to somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. the following morning. Our Lord didn't just enter the mountain to pray. He conducted a one, a solo all night prayer meeting. Now, here's the thing that literally, if I had long hair, would blow my hair back. But I keep it nice and tight, you know, so I have no room to blow back. What was Jesus praying all night about? Had he just suffered some great defeat? Was he facing some global viral pandemic? Was he dealing with uh, some uh, difficulty, some trial? No. This all night prayer meeting that is recorded for our benefit in scripture follows what could only be described as a majestic display of the divinity inherent in the body of the Messiah. This wasn't him praying after he suffered some defeat. He followed up what only could be described as a magnanimous display of divine glory. He followed that victory with an all-night prayer meeting. Now, most of us, when we think about praying, most of us, not everybody, I know it's not everybody, but most of us, our engagement in prayer only happens when life has punched us in a snot locker. We only pray, generally speaking, when something difficult has arisen. We have this one who's become wayward. We have this circumstance that's a negative circumstance. But that is not the model that our Lord followed. He prayed without ceasing. Now, why am I saying all of that? Brothers and sisters, very simply, if this is the example that our Lord provided for us and recorded for us in Scripture, what should that tell us about our prayer life? Does it begin to resonate now when the Apostle Paul writes, be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything. When you say everything, Abraham, do you mean during a wedding, wedding celebration? Yes. When I get that raise at my job? Yes. When I get that new job? Yes. When I get admitted into law school or to medical school or to dental school, do I pray then? Yes. Also, when there's a global pandemic, we pray. When my best friend, his father was hospitalized because of the coronavirus, we pray. When we have a family member who's wandering astray, we pray. The point that I believe our Lord is conveying to us is not even a primary, uh, not the primary point I believe our Lord is conveying to us is not simply praying in everything, but I believe he's ultimately conveying to us the power of prayer, the potency of prayer. Many of us, many of us see prayer completely in a different light than our Lord saw prayer. I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. If prayer was doing nothing, why did our Lord do it so much? Why did he do it so much? Why would he follow a great demonstration of his glory with an all-night prayer meeting? Why would he do that? Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to recalibrate your understanding of prayer and to re-engage in one of the most potent tools that God has given us in our arsenal to contend for the faith in these dark and evil days, to be as ambassadors in the context where he play, he's placed us in this 21st century, in the nations where he's planted us, that we will be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, we will make our requests known to the God who hears our prayers and answers and the peace of God the peace that emanates from the eternal throne room above will be a garrison around your heart and mind in Christ Jesus that doesn't mean that every circumstance will go from difficult to rosy what it means is that no matter what we face we have direct access to the peace of God that transcends the limitations of our, our temporal circumstance. What I am saying is that at every vantage point, that at every issue, that in every environment and in every circumstance, we have the glorious privilege of ascending beyond the temporal circumstances and viewing everything from heaven down. God has given us this access to him. And if we neglect it, we are much much to be pitied. And now, your two-minute health and prayers update from the Presidential Prayer Team, a ministry of the Pray First Radio Network. The United States is continuing to make substantial progress in our war against the virus. We grieve at every precious life that has been lost to the invisible enemy, but through the darkness, we can see the rays of light. We see that tunnel more than ever before. We've held our rate, the numbers, everything we've done. 15% of counties within the United States have zero cases, and many counties within the United States have a very small number of cases. I salute the American people for following our guidelines. Their devotion, your devotion, is saving lives. Hello, this is Jim Bolthouse, president of the Pray First Radio Network. 
during these times of uncertainty, we're here for you. With current information about the COVID-19 virus, as well as important prayer points to guide you in prayer at a time when our world needs it the most. Psalm 36.7 reminds us of God's never-ending love for us. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. We'd like to invite you right now to join us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace you have given us. Thank you for blessings each day. Thank you for love beyond measure. Help us continue to follow your word and seek your guidance, especially during these times. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To access free prayer resources that guide you in prayer and to see updates about the COVID-19 virus, go to pausetopray.org. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. All of us have been on the receiving end of some nasty, hurtful, and destructive things done to us by other people, and some part of us craves justice. But Solomon has some counsel for us. We are not to try to get even with those who have harmed us. Instead, we are to place our trust in God to get justice for us. He promises he will. He sees the destruction. He sees the betrayal. He sees our loss, and he has all of his divine power at hand to make things right, and he will in his time. He has his own timetable for dispensing justice and his own methods. What he wants from us is a willingness to trust his wisdom, power, and timing, and not take matters into our own hands. As Solomon says, do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. Shining light into the darkness, this is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio, and I am overwhelmed (laughs) with gratitude and appreciation for my guest I have on the program now. Uh, This is a man of God who has, just like yesterday, (laughs) I know you don't know, Mike, I'm going to introduce you properly, but uh, Tony Perkins was on yesterday uh, on the program to pray with us. Uh, But this 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 brother has been instrumental uh, in my own formation uh, in walking with the Lord, as well as being an example as to how to elevate Christ over everything, even your occupational giftings and how to integrate what you do as doing it unto the Lord. My guest for this segment of the program is Louisiana's fourth congressional district's representative, Congressman Mike Johnson, who's also a member of the powerful House of Representatives Judiciary Committee. He's also the ranking member of the subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights and Civil Liberties, and also the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, also known as the Intellectual Arsenal for conservatism. Congressman Mike Johnson, thank you for coming on the program today. Hey, my friend, it is so good to hear your voice, and I appreciate that kind introduction. And I'm I'm glad you're out there for such a time as this, my friend. Your voice is an important one. And, you know, this... This crisis has just been exhausting for everybody, and, mm. and uh, we're all working day and night trying to address all the urgent needs of our constituents and, and handle this really unprecedented event that we're, that we're in. And uh, I thought you would appreciate this reflection. I wrote about this a couple of days ago, published it in an op-ed, but I just pointed out that the, the longer we live, the more we realize how little we really know. 
Mm. You know, and a pandemic is a good example of that, right? It it reminds us of uh, of really how powerless we are as humans at the end of the day, and how completely reliant we are upon the grace and mercy and the omniscience and the omnipresence and omnipotence of our Creator God. And that's this has been a great reminder for a lot of people. And I. I have been thinking about that famous moment of despair and desperation at the Constitutional Convention, mm, Philadelphia, yes. June 28, 1787. It's that famous moment that we've all heard about when Benjamin Franklin rose up to call the assembly to humble daily prayer. Mm. And you remember what was happening at that time is that they'd had a month of this really divisive, kind of intractable debate about how exactly to form this new American system of government. And yeah. everybody's nerves were frayed, and the temperature flared, and and here's the senior statesman, you know, Benjamin Franklin, he rises to make this appeal. Now, he was not known as the most uh, fervently religious man in the group, right? He was, he, mm-hmm. They tell us he's a deist, but he famously said uh, that, that all of that was just uh, their, their, their intractable debate and the stress and the, the, really the, the kind of the panic, the crisis of the moment. He said that was, quote, a melancholy proof mm. of the imperfection of the human understanding. Mm. And he said they obviously needed a much higher power. And he continued, he said, here's that famous quote we all remember at Abe, it says, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. Mm. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? Mm. Man, that, that, that little statement, that little reminder, that resonates to us so much today, doesn't it? It does. I mean, in this situation we find ourselves in, you know? It, it does. And it, of course, Franklin, you know, he's, he was referencing, of course, Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus is, is explaining, uh, verse 29 through 31, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, he said, you are worth more than many sparrows. Man, what a great encouragement it is to us. That word resonates to me more than it has ever before. Oh, thank you for sharing that so much, Mike. It, 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 Congressman Johnson, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it, it, no, it, you it, call me Mike. Uh, all right, you heard him, guys. I'm going to call him Mike. That's what I've been calling him <laughs> before he was Mr. Congressman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yes, this, this resonates with me as well. And, and here we are, you know, in our nation to where, to be frank, based on our financial investments and our time investments, things that we value, things like sports and entertainment and all of these other things, they've been brought to a screeching screeching halt and yeah. just as it did to uh benjamin franklin and 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 those who were present for uh this this continent of congress uh it shows that just as it was true when benjamin franklin articulated those words the same is true today and our leaders our president uh, are trying to now navigate the transition from this previous kind of shelter in place uh, posture to now wanting to reopen the country and those same words r- ring true if a sparrow can't fall to the ground without God's awareness how then can a nation the United States of America transition into a post shelter in place type of posture and so it is because of that fact and I, I strongly strongly believe that w- among many 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 things that one of the things that our Lord is attempting to get us to do is to turn our attention back to the fact that we can do nothing without him, that we can do nothing without him, and that we would cry out to him in light of that reality. That's it, brother. Late last night, the president named me to this uh, Reopen America Task Force. Mm. Congratulations. Congress representative there. 
Well, thanks and condolences, right? <laughs> so, uh, so we had our first uh, task force meeting uh, by conference call this morning. About thirty members of Congress. It's a bipartisan group, Republican and Democrat. And the president was on with us, and the vice president, uh, and uh, the secretary of the treasury, and several others. And um, we we had a frank discussion about that very challenge you're talking about about reopening the economy. We all want to do that in earnest. We have to to save this economy and. And, I, you know, as I was, we were having that conversation, I kept thinking about how we just, we are at the end of man's wisdom on this thing, right? Mm. We, we pray for all those in authority, as the Scripture reminds us in, in 1 Timothy 2, that you, you, you're supposed to pray for the president and those who who, who are doing all this, that, uh, that they can govern wisely, because that's so necessary uh, in our republic and in any form of government. But but we also remember, it's humbling to remember that we're at the end of man's wisdom, and we have to rely on God's wisdom, and the Bible has a lot to say about that, you know? I mean, I know you've talked about so much, Second Chronicles 7.14, that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Scripture says that God will hear and respond, respond to the, the humble, you know, contrite prayers of His people. He will forgive and heal our land, and the Bible also tells us if we seek wisdom earnestly, God will give it to us generously, that's James mm. 1.5. So, you know, it's His invitation to us. And so when you're when you're when you're given an invitation, it's incumbent upon you to accept the invitation, and that's what we have to do. It takes a a, a, a willfulness, a, a, a diligence, um, you know, a discipline to pray. And so I'm so grateful that you're doing that. You're sending this airtime to, to to remind everyone, turn people back to prayer, because that's exactly what God told us to do. Amen. Amen. Would you, Congressman Johnson, lead us in prayer for our nation, sir? I will indeed. Heavenly Father, we just turn to you right now. I'm so grateful for my brother and his voice and these airwaves and the, the, the AFA radio network and, and all that they do to dedicate themselves and their time to you and your purposes. And at the end of the day, Lord, we know that's all that matters. And so uh, we're reminded of the truth, the eternal, timeless truth, the wisdom that is in your word and, and those admonitions that are there, that the founders recognize, that we recognize and reaffirm today that um, we are helpless without you. We are one nation under God, and we proclaim that to you. We do uh, ask for uh, repentance for our sins individually and collectively as a people. And God, we ask you to to, to hear that prayer and um, forgive us and heal our land, as your Scripture says you will. Mm-hmm. In, in the meantime, Father, we pray for that wisdom that comes from above, that, that you guide the, the mind, the, the hands of those in authority, from the President on down, and you give uh, wisdom from above that, that far exceeds anything that, that we can handle within our own scope. And we, 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 are, we are delighted to humble ourselves before you and say that openly. That we are in reliance on you and your guidance. Yes, so, uh, Father, grateful that we can come to you, grateful that we can claim these things on the authority of Scripture, and that they are just as true today as they were 243 years ago, and they were 2,000 years before that. Your Word is timeless and reliable, and we rely upon it. I ask and pray and believe all that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for coming on to the program and, and crying out to us. I didn't know that you were appointed to that uh, to that position with reopening the, the economy in our nation. And, and I just appreciate your witness and your work. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. you. You got it, my friend. Keep up the great work. All right. We'll, we'll do my best. We'll do my best. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Praise God. Uh, one of the one of the reasons why I invited Congressman Johnson on to the program, in addition to him praying, uh, was so that you can be aware, because it's very easy for us to, uh, when we think about Congress and paint everybody with a broad brush, and I, I, I've been guilty of it myself, too, uh, so I don't want you to think I'm talking 
uh, at you. I'm right there with you in what I'm saying here. Um, but God has his people everywhere. I know for a fact, for a fact, that Mike Johnson is a man of God before anything else. I, I've known him uh, since before he was ever a congressman. I remember he sought me out as a lowly law school student. He found me and recommended me for certain things, certain fellowships, and put me in different positions that if it were not for God moving in him, that I know for a fact I wouldn't have been and done several things uh, that I have in my life. Same thing with Tony Perkins, who was on yesterday. Uh, I, I met Tony and Mike before any of them were the Tony and Mikes that you guys know. I remember praying with uh, Tony Perkins when he was presenting a bill in the state legislature, and I was 17 years old. A lot of people don't know this. Most people don't even know this. And Tony asked me to pray for him. Now I'm 17 years old. Now you tell me what type of person would ask for a 17-year-old teenager to pray for him as he's about to walk into a committee hearing to present a bill. And so what I'm saying is, is, is very similar to what I say, because there are a lot of people who like to uh, speak derisively about the church in America. But I just want to remind you that the church is the Lord's bride. And we have to be careful about painting with a broad brush. And I know, generally speaking, Congress stinks. Mike would say the same thing. But not everybody who is in Congress stinks. And so I appreciate him. You heard it. He is a man of God who is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is not ashamed to name the name of his Lord and Savior. He's not ashamed to express his commitment to his wife and to his family and his children and to elevate the Lord's word over his practice first as, a, as, a, as a, an attorney and then as a small businessman and now as a congressman. And his prayers for our nation are genuine. And I know that for a fact. So I wanted to make sure you all were had the opportunity to know that. And I know many of you know that already. Uh, but uh, I wanted to invite him to be a part of this time of, of prayer. And I want to pray, too, with the time remaining in this segment uh, for our nation that, again, that we would not in our zeal to, to re have our, our economy surge, that we would not in our zeal to see that happen abandon or neglect or or ignore God's desire to confront each and every one of us with a plague of our own hearts and our need to cry out to him and 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 when when Mike spoke about that that Continental Congress that's exactly what was happening after a month of going nowhere nothing happening it was Benjamin Franklin who observed that this is evidence this is evidence that the extremity of men's wisdom is futile. That without the Lord, folks, and this is not because I'm saying it, this is because this is a fact. Without the Lord, we are nothing. Straight up. We can do nothing. Nothing that's worth anything. Nothing of eternal value. Nothing of redeeming significance. And we must we must, we must. Uh, and I don't, I don't care what uh, people would say, oh, that, that's, that's religion from antiquity. That's just foolishness. That's just foolishness. America's greatest need is not a roaring economy. America's greatest need 
is not new laws. America's greatest need is not another $250 billion for our small businesses in our country. America's greatest need is salvation through Jesus Christ and repentance for those who profess to know his name. And, and I've made this observation before. A lot of the things that we're facing, uh, the modern perversions of the concept of justice to uh, militate into the modern understanding of social justice, all of these various movements, they are efforts to achieve conciliation by sidestepping the cross. Can't do it. Men can't be reconciled one to another without the cross. Can't, can't happen. Men can't be recon reconciled one to another based on their melanin content. If that was the case, why would there ever have been a Rwandan genocide in our, net, in our in world history? We need the cross. We need the cross. Father, I cry out to you right now, Lord, on behalf of this nation that you have allowed me to be born in. Uh, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, Lord, this nation where you have redeemed me, Lord, you called me, Lord, out of my death and trespasses and sins into your marvelous light. And Lord, every single one of my brothers and sisters who are listening and or watching, Lord, their story is similar. Not may not necessarily be in the same location, but the fact that they've been called to salvation, drawn by your spirit, is the commonality that we share. And Father, we lift up this nation to you, the United States of America. Father, where in spite of their lack of perfection, one of the preeminent freedoms they sought to establish was the freedom to worship you in every aspect of civic life. And Father, without fear of successful contradiction, I can say we have lost our way as a nation. We have lost our way as a nation. Lord, in contrast to what you have admonished us in Scripture, Father, we have turned our back by and large on your edicts, on your word, on your law, on your word. Father, we have referred to the slaughter of children as a constitutional right. We've re referred to what you described as abomination, as marriage equality. Father, you told us that we should show no partiality to the rich nor to the poor, Lord. But in our society, we ascribe expertise based on social prominence and in many times based on uh, financial means and it's not that financial means in and of themselves are sinful but when we ascribe merit to people based on them father we have engaged in partiality in many instances we deify the poor showing partiality to the poor and father i'm asking you to grace our nation with repentance would you lord pour out your spirit across our nation because we are in desperate need of you in the name of jesus Peace in the midst of a pandemic? It's possible. The Bible words are our hope. Billy Graham. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. My prayer today is that we will trust in Him. We'd love to pray with you. Call 888-388-2683. 888-388-2683. Or go to billygram.org. From a Christian perspective, why are we here? The chief purpose of man is to know God, to glorify God, and to enjoy Him forever. He gives you purpose for being. 
If you've ever wondered, you know, what am I doing here? Does my life even matter? Please accept the truth that life is a gift. Exploring the Word, weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. Priorities. This is David Wheaton, host of The Christian Worldview. One positive result of the coronavirus is that health, family, church, and access to basic necessities are being reprioritized over more trivial pursuits, such as entertainment and buying things. Even political leadership, the economy, and world stability pale in priority to what took place in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and rose from the grave. Why is this the most important issue? Because of what John the Baptist said about Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Resolving our sin problem is our greatest need, and trusting in Christ's work on the cross is the only solution. Hear more at thechristianworldview.org and then join us this weekend for another topic that will sharpen your worldview. Listen to The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton, Saturday mornings at 8 Central on American Family Radio. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. My name is Dr. Andrew Fabich, and I teach microbiology here at Drew McConnell University. And so instead of trying to teach biology from this perspective that gives you this good you version of evolution, uh, you get this perspective of this is who God is, this is who God has revealed himself to be, and he's revealed himself in nature, which is terribly exciting to study. Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. The latest coronavirus casualty may be leaf blowers. Croton on Hudson, a community north of New York City, took to social media earlier this week, telling folks that the village's manager issued an executive order banning the use of leaf blowers during the pandemic. According to a statement from the village, residents there are not just searching for peace and quiet during their time hunkered down at home. Some are concerned that besides kicking up leaves and dirt, the leaf blowers could also spread the coronavirus. The New York Times reports that those scientists are still discovering new details about the virus. Well, the virus seems to be most contagious in close quarters with someone infected not foliage. Ken Ray, the mayor of nearby Sleepy Hollow, compared leaf blowers to men who blow dry their hair. He says it's time for people to stop blow drying their lawns. Can't they just leaf well enough alone? I'm Todd Starnes. The Hamilton Quarter Podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. So grateful to be with you in these last few days. Uh, I'm telling you, you all have impacted me more than you, more than I can even express. Uh, reading through even more of your prayer requests. What we're going to do in this segment, uh, we're going to continue what we've been doing the previous few days and praying for the specific prayer request that you, as Hamilton Corner listeners, have submitted. Uh, thank you uh, so much for trusting us uh, with this, your private affairs, man. It, it just, it, it speaks volumes uh, to my heart, and it is a privilege of mine to be able to lift these prayer requests up to our Lord. I want to try to get as many of these in as we can. So what I'm going to do, just like we did this uh 
yesterday and the day before. I'm going to read a few of the prayer requests and then pray for them and continue on until we run out of show. All right. Uh, so first, we're going to start with Mrs. C. That's how she put her name. Mrs. C's prayer request. Uh, she's asking for prayer uh, for her son and her daughter-in-law who are small business owners, who are small business owners, and their businesses have been shut down in light of this Wuhan coronavirus. Uh, Mrs. C is specifically asking for prayer that uh, her son and daughter-in-law, that their faith would grow in this season, that their dependence on God would deepen, and that as a family, they all would stand strong and faith-filled. She also asked for prayer for her second son, who is a firefighter, who is a firefighter, that he would enjoy the Lord's protection as he does his job. Then we have a prayer from <clears throat> Andrew, a prayer request from Andrew. Uh, and Andrew's request, very simply, is that God's view of the family will be reestablished in our nation where uh People in our country once again recognize that family is the first institution that God has ordained and that parents would once again take the, the lead in discipling and rearing their children, not uh, exporting that to the youth ministry, not exporting that to the school system, not exporting that anywhere else, but recognizing that they are the ones or that we as parents are the ones to lead in the formation and the discipleship of our children. Uh, Andrew says, this is the perfect time to be engaged in our full-time job. Amen, Andrew. Then the third one I'm going to read in this uh, time is from Paula. Paula is asking for a prayer for her friend, Mary, who is waiting for a date uh, for surgery in light of a breast cancer diagnosis. The breast cancer surgery was delayed because in her area, Breast cancer surgeries were deemed non-essential in light of the coronavirus. So she's asking for prayer for her friend. She recognizes that the Lord is a healer uh, and that the Lord would, would heal her friend however he chooses to do so, whether that would be miraculously or through the intervention of medicine with the expertise of physicians. Either way, uh, Paula is asking for prayer for her friend whose, whose treatment was scheduled, whose surgery was scheduled, but the coronavirus ended up having to reschedule them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, first we lift up Mrs. C's prayer request. Father, her son and daughter-in-law are in a position that so many other uh, Americans are in. Father, as small business owners who's, who have had their businesses shut down. Uh, Lord, with no end in sight, with no clarity as to when uh, the shutdown would end, having no end date. Lord, but as Mrs. C has so rightly identified, Father, that this presents the context that would allow for a deepening of faith and a dependence, an intentional dependence upon you. So I lift up Mrs. C's son and daughter-in-law, Lord, that just as she's requested, Father, that they would grow in this time, Lord, that the difficulty that they're facing, the circumstantial friction, the discomfort, the uncertainty, Lord, that it all will be turned into a robust faith in you. Lord, Mrs. C indicated that they have faith in you, but 
she's asking for a deepening of that faith. Lord, I ask that you would show yourself mighty to this young couple, Lord, in the name of Jesus. To show them, Lord, that you are their source. That their business is a resource, but it is not their source. Father, that they would find that even in spite of the, the, the natural uh, circumstances that they had come to expect to provide, uh, to allow provision to flow into their household, Lord, I ask that you would show them that you are their provider, that you are their Jehovah Jireh, and that as the source, you have the capacity to direct and redirect their resources as you will. Lord, we ask this for them, Lord, and that this will result in a, in a bolstering of the faith in the entire family, Father, that the entire family would find themselves more fortified, more robust, with a thickening and a deepening of their ability to stand flat-footed in faith and relying upon you. And Lord, we also lift up her firefighter son. Lord, we ask that you would protect this brother as he has chosen a career, Lord, that puts him in harm's way on behalf of others on a regular basis. Lord, we ask that you would protect him, that you would go before him, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, and that even through what he does on a day-to-day -day basis, Lord, that he would see your hand, Lord, and not only your hand, but he would see your face. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I pray that you would move even our dear sister, Mrs. C, to continue to cry aloud and spare not for her children. And, Father, that you would cause this family to be a mighty family in their commitment to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord. We also lift up uh, Mary, Paula's friend, uh, Father, who is waiting to be able to, uh, to be ministered to, Lord, either directly through from you, via miraculous healing from this breast cancer diagnosis, Lord, or if you would minister to her through the physicians, through the expertise and the training of the physicians, Lord, either way, Paula says, either way, she's open, Lord, to you ministering to her sister. Father, I pray that you would cause uh, Mary not to become despondent, Lord, not to become, Lord, listful, Lord, or hopeless in the face of these things being delayed uh, following the COVID-19 responses, Lord, but that she would find herself, Lord, singing, worshiping, crying out to you and praying, Lord, turning her anxiety, Lord God, into opportunities to commune with you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask that you would minister to our sister, Father, heal her, Lord, however you see fit, Lord, by your sovereign grace, that you would heal our dear sister, either miraculously, Lord, or through the intervention of the medical profession, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Lord, we also, uh, I agree with my brother Andrew, Lord, that this will be a time where in our nation, that our attention can be focused once again on recognizing what our full-time commitment should be. Lord, help, our, help us husbands and fathers to reprioritize our families, Lord, to recognize that our first ministry is to serve our families well, Lord, that we would shepherd the flock that you've entrusted into our care through our marriage and reproduction, Lord, that husbands would no longer sacrifice their children. And specifically, Father, Christian husbands would no longer sacrifice their children on the altar of external faithfulness, Lord. But they would seek to serve their families well. That wives, Father, would recognize that serving their families is their first ministry. Lord, that there would no longer be this unbiblical perception of external prowess as being more important or more successful than what we do in the home. Lord, but that we would serve our families well, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And that we would see family the way that you see family. And that we would recognize that it is truly the first institution that you have ordained. And that we would serve our families with the fervor and zeal of a ministerial commitment, Father. Because that is exactly what it is. Serving family is ministry. Lord, we thank you for Brother Andrew. 
and his request. And we agree with him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple more requests. Uh, Kathleen has asked for prayer for her husband who has been diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. Her husband has been diagnosed with dementia, and they're having difficulty finding a doctor who can help them and treat him concerning some of the behaviors that are associated with the disease. We also have a prayer request from Kim, uh, who is asking for prayers that her two daughters would be sold out to the Lord, that they would fall deeply in love with their Savior. We also have a request from Linda, who is praying for her 38-year-old son, who has been diagnosed with a chronic illness that has turned his life and career upside down. He can't work in terms of uh, generating income, and he has trouble completing everyday tasks. And as a result, he's becoming discouraged and depressed. Mm. And again, I want you guys to take note, and, and this was a revelation for me as well, that most of these prayer requests, I said this yesterday, 90% of them have nothing to do with the coronavirus. 90% of them. And it probably is more so. I'm being, I'm providing a conservative estimate. It's probably closer to 95%. We have a privilege as members of the Lord's family to, to come alongside one another and invest in one another's lives. And, lives. and just like I said at the beginning, praying is not, it, praying is working. And it's one of the tools that God has afforded us as his family members. Let's turn to the Lord. Father, we lift up Sister Kathleen's request for her husband. Father, he's been diagnosed with dementia. Uh, Lord, I've dealt with that to a degree. Many of our listeners have dealt with that. Lord, we ask that you would lead our dear Sister Kathleen by your spirit to find the right medical help. Lord God, but also to find the right support in addition to the medical help. Lord, I ask that you would uh, provide our dear sister a community of people. If she doesn't have it already, a community of believers that will, will, will walk with her in this. Father, that she also would have a support system for herself. Her focus is solely on the, the needs of her husband. Lord, but you know when we face these types of circumstances, Father, the caregiver needs a great amount of help and grace. Lord, I pray that you administer to both Kathleen and to her husband. Lord, and we know that you have the power, Lord God, to free him from this dementia. Lord, and we also know that you have the power to demonstrate your grace in the midst of it. So, Lord, we ask that your will will be magnified, that our sister Kathleen would have keen insight and discernment into what your will is for her in this circumstance. And, Lord, that you will provide her and her husband the support system with the medical professionals as well as for the community of support that, are, that is needed as they face this trial, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we lift up our sister Kim's request for her daughters. Lord, I can feel her heart as she wrote this email. Her, her cry is that her daughters would fall deeply in love with their Savior. Lord, you know I know what it's like to be a church attender, nevertheless be cold towards you. And Lord, I'm asking you to warm the hearts of Kim's daughters, Lord, move in their hearts, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that they would have a deepening in their love for you, Father, that they would view the cross with new eyes, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that they would view your atoning sacrifice with new conviction, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm asking you to open their eyes, 
open their eyes to see you as you are to be seen. Lord, that they may recognize the transcendent treasure that is salvation. Lord, I'm asking that you would give them deep roots. Lord God, that you would cause them to be like trees planted by rivers of living water, consistently nourishing those trees where those roots go down deep, that they may be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in their relationship with you, Father, that they would move from being church familiar, Father, to being captured by the resurrected King of glory in the name of Jesus. Father, we also lift up our sister Linda's son. Uh, Lord, he was working, he was thriving, he was doing, he was blowing and going, and Father, and then he got hit with this chronic illness diagnosis that has turned everything in his life upside down. And Lord, I understand, we understand how that could be a cause uh, for discouragement, Lord, but I'm asking you to arrest the wicked one, Lord, that his discouragement would not continue, that it would not persist. Father, that he would see you just as the prophet Jeremiah in the face of witnessing the temple in Jerusalem decimated. Father, he was able to say, great are your mercies, Lord God. Great is your faithfulness, Father. I'm asking that you would show yourself to this man in the midst of his crises, Lord God. That you would help him to recognize, Lord, that you have not abandoned him. That you have not forgotten his name. That you know exactly where he is. Lord, I thank you for moving his mother to send in this prayer request on his behalf. And Father, I'm asking you to open his heart to such a place where he will be able to open his own lips and offer up to you the sacrifice of praise. And that he would see that you are not only, God, not only the God of the mountaintops, but that you are also the God of the valley. And that you would cause this young man's faith to no longer be the faith of his mother, but that it would become his own faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I lift up every Hamilton Corner listener right now, Lord, and I pray that you would show yourself mighty on their behalf in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, our Savior, and soon coming King. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.